When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. A few months ago, I read the book Karashi at Home by Marie Kondo. I'm a huge fan of Marie Kondo, especially her method for cleaning and organizing your home. I'm sure most people remember her book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, where she walks us through the process of decluttering our home so the things we have in our space spark joy. Her new book, Karashi at Home, dives into how to organize your space and how your space can help you achieve a life you've dreamed of. This book really had me thinking of how I want my sewing space to make me feel when I walk into it. In episode 497 of this podcast, we aired part one of Create Your Dream Sewing Space. It was one of our most popular episodes of all time, so I highly recommend going back to listen to it if you haven't already. In that episode, we walked our listeners through a visualization process to help them picture their dream sewing space. And then we shared little steps they can take as they have time and money to get closer to that ultimate space. And then on episode 543, we aired part two of Create Your Dream Sewing Space. And that episode focused on what we need in our spaces according to our personalities. So I walked our listeners through a series of questions about how they approach their lives because we need to consider how we work, how we like our organization, how our mind processes information and more in order to know how to set up our dream space and what we need to fill our dream space with to be functional. And now on this episode, we'll do part three, which will examine how to make your sewing space a place that makes your heart sing, that lets you relax or feel energized as you walk into it, that helps you focus and get creative, and most importantly, a place that feels like home. So to start, I want you to try a kind of silly practice with me. I want you to walk into your sewing space, look around and pick an object. Now pretend you're that object and share how you feel about the space. How does the object feel? Would it say things like, I'm too crowded, I'm squished, I don't have enough room to breathe, I don't belong here, I'm lonely, I'm lost. Or maybe your object is content. Maybe it's saying, I feel appreciated here. I love this sunlight. I'm happy with my neighbors. I love my view. Do this with a few different objects in your room, maybe four or five. What is the overall feeling of the objects in your room? Positive or negative? 
does it seem like your objects want some changes or are they happy in your space? Because the way your objects feel, that energy is what you'll be surrounded with. And whether or not you notice when you're in that space, those feelings can transfer to your mindset in your space. So if your objects feel crowded, you might feel like you can't find things or that your brain can't get creative because there's too much clutter. Or if the energy is positive, you might feel full of ideas for quilts and content to spend a lot of time in that space. So this exercise allows us to gauge how we feel when we step into our space and where our attention goes when we're in our spaces. I know many quilters who want their sewing spaces to feel like a retreat from the world. And this is a good way to tell if our spaces are set up to feel that way. Next, you want to organize or declutter your space as needed. I won't get into details in this podcast because every person's needs will be different, but do what you need to do for your tools to feel good in your space and for your body and mind to feel good in that space. What I really want to talk about are ideas for small, special ways to upgrade your room to help cultivate the mindset you want in your space. If you're a person who loves smells, Maybe you invest in an oil diffuser for your space. I have one and I love it. When I want to feel calm, I do lavender. When I want to feel energized, I do peppermint. After I clean, I do lemon and orange to have that fresh scent. And if I need to focus or concentrate on a project, I do rosemary. It's a fun practice to mix and match essential oils to cultivate the feelings you want in your space for your sewing time. You could also get a wall scent diffuser or even a candle if there's a safe space to burn it away from your fabric. If you love sound, you may want a TV or a Bluetooth speaker in your space so that you can play music, listen to podcasts, or watch a favorite show while you sew. I personally love listening to audiobooks while I sew, but I also choose to watch TV when I machine quilt a project. I just don't love machine quilting, so I'll challenge myself to quilt until the end of a TV show episode is done. So it's a fun way to motivate myself. You can play energizing or dance music when you're in the mood to get things done, or you could even play classical or folk music, for instance, when you just need to calm your mind and relax. If you're a lover of the outdoors, Maybe you need some houseplants or a bouquet of fresh flowers in your space. My sewing room overlooks my back gardens, so I have a great view. But I also brought two houseplants into my space to add some more life to my space. You know, I love the ritual of watering them each week and watching them grow over time. And flowers, whether from a bouquet from a store or those even cut from your own garden, add color and beauty to your space. They make the space feel special and worth celebrating. You could also have an empty vase in your space and use the prospect of filling it with a bouquet for when you tackle a quilty goal. Now, if you're a person who feels at home surrounded by memories, 
Find places in your space to add knickknacks or meaningful displays. Maybe you need some pictures of family or friends. Uh, Maybe you have a cork board where you can pin special cards, ticket stubs, pictures, and other mementos. Maybe you display special items or tools on top of a bookcase or on a shelf in your space. These kind of items help us reflect on the past, honor things that are important to us, and help us feel comforted in the space. In my space, I have a few items on display from my travels, I have a photo of my husband and I, and I have a cork board with some special thank you notes um, and my collection of enamel pins on display. It makes me feel so happy to look at all these things when I take a break from sewing. If you're a tactile person and you respond to touch, maybe you have a special pair of slippers you wear in your sewing room or an extra soft rug under your machine. If you're like me and you're always cold, maybe you need a small space heater so your space is nice and cozy. Or if you're always warm, maybe you need a small fan to sit on your workspace. These are just a few ideas for making your space feel special. There are a lot more ways to add extra touches to your sewing space so that when you walk into it, it feels like a special place meant just for you. Customizing your space, even if it's not yet your dream space, can get you one step closer to loving that space. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing some products we love and I'll be sharing an update about my sewing space. Welcome back. A few weeks ago on episode 583, I shared some details about my sewing room makeover. And today I wanted to share an update. So for those who haven't been following my sewing room makeover, I'll catch you up quick. When we moved into a new home almost five years ago, we had an extra bedroom for my sewing space. I'd never had one before, so I pieced one together with random furniture, and while it was a usable space, it wasn't my dream space. So I finally had the means to redo the space. I painted the room, the trim, and the doors a bright white. Uh, It took me 12 total hours to paint everything, and my shoulders and neck were so sore, uh, but it was so worth it. My room is so bright now, and I love how the white allows the fabrics and the quilts in my space to really shine. I also changed over all the electrical outlets to a bright white, and I got a new light for my room. Previously, I had a ceiling fan in the space, uh, but I would never use the fan because it would blow my fabric pieces everywhere. So the lighting took up a lot of space and it actually hung pretty low. So I replaced it with just a simple LED light that shines very bright for sewing at night. Then I assembled and moved all the furniture into the room. And this was the most exciting part for me. I had bought all the furniture off the internet without seeing it in person um, or really being able to picture how it would fit in the space. So I just had my fingers crossed that it would work out and fit everything I needed. I got an eight cube white organizer from Walmart for my fabric storage. And I was determined that all of my fabric would fit in that space. Uh, And I was dreaming a little bit. (laughs) 
So after two declutters of my fabric, um, I fit all of my smaller yardage into the fabric organizer. Um, to do this, I probably had to get rid of about 80 yards of fabric in all. Um, but all, you know, but honestly, I always thought I had too much fabric anyway. So I'd rather have a neat space that fits everything I have than keep that extra fabric and have my space feel too full or cluttered. And then I put my larger yardage pieces and all my holiday fabrics into a shelving unit in the closet. And honestly, that works fine for me because I use holiday fabrics and the, that larger yardage must much less than the other fabrics. So those don't need to be as handy for me. I lay the organizer on its side so that it's lower to the ground. And I put my fabric and fabric storage bins that I sewed myself. Uh, it's a very pretty rainbow look. And then on top of the organizer, I have some fat quarter bundles, some books, some pictures, um, my enamel pin holder, some plants, and other fun knickknacks. The desk I got is from Ikea, and it is L-shape. And the table fits my sewing machine, my cutting mat, and all my cutting tools. And then the L is actually a pullout, so I can have it pushed under the table if I don't need it but can pull it out if I have the extra space. And I absolutely love it. I was sewing in my new space this weekend and found that I loved using the pullout section to hold the units I was cutting or sewing. It was so handy to have that extra space. And then under the desk, I put a large plastic tub, uh, which is where I keep my batting, my polyfill, and a few other bulky tools that I don't use often. After moving everything into my room, I didn't have a place to put any of my tools. The desk I bought doesn't have any drawers. Um, I was thinking I may need to install a pegboard on the wall and maybe get a rolling cart. Uh, so I started with buying the rolling cart since that was the easiest solution. And the rolling cart actually fit all my supplies. I was shocked. Uh, and I was also glad to not have to install a pegboard because I just hate putting holes in the walls. My rolling cart has three levels. So on the top level, I keep all of my most used supplies like scissors, needles, seam rippers, and more. And then I have things organized in pencil holders and a small bowl to keep everything handy. On the second level of the rolling cart, I have all my thread and embroidery floss. And on the bottom, I fit all my ironing supplies, such as starches, fusibles, uh, wooden clappers, and my wool pressing mat. To keep things neat, I actually did put some extra tools in a small bin in the closet. Uh, for instance, I have a lot of extra rotary cutters, a lot of extra needles and pins, and I didn't need everything out and on display. So this extra bin is something I can dive into if I'm headed to a retreat and I need to pack extra supplies or if I need to replace any supplies over the years. And just because I got a new ironing board cover, uh, everything else in my room seemed so new and shiny, but my ironing cover, it had like a few scorch marks in places. It had a few small holes. Um, so I replaced that. And I, I honestly don't know why I waited so long to replace that. It, it, it helps me have a lot of joy in my space now when I'm pressing. And as a bonus, uh, the desk works great as a home office. I just moved my sewing machine 
back, farther back on the table. And then I have room to put up my laptop, which is so handy. Uh, I hadn't had a home office space before. And after only a few weeks, it's, it's such a nice addition to our home. So I work best and I am most creative and an organized in a very minimalist space. I don't like clutter. I don't like having too much stuff. Uh, so this space works great for me. So if you're interested in any of the furniture I bought, I link, I'll link to it in the show notes. And I hope you follow me on Instagram. Um, I post some, I posted some before and after videos of the space. I'll be posting more photos soon. So if you're curious to see my space, uh, please follow me. I'm at Linz Mayland. It's L-I-N-D-S-M-A-Y-L-A-N-D. Next, we're moving on to products we love, a segment where we share tools our staff is loving right now. And today we're all about handy or cute items to have in your sewing space. The first item is a portable desk organizer from the MoMA store. This organizer is 11 by 15 by six, and it has 12 pockets of various sizes to store tools or patterns. It also has an inside compartment to hold bulkier items like fabric. And then when it's not in use, the organizer actually collapses to make it very easy for transport and storage. I love this item because you could bring it to a retreat and set it up on your workspace to hold everything you need. Or you could also use it for handwork projects too when you just want to bring your favorite tools on the go. And I love that it folds up and it's compact when you're not using it. This next item is a just for fun product. Little Shop of Pins created a two-inch enamel pin called Grandma's Sewing Kit. The outside of the pin looks like a cookie tin, and when you open it up, it reveals a sewing kit. I'm sure many of our listeners remember their mothers or grandparents using a cookie tin to store thread, needles, and other small sewing tools. It's definitely a product that evokes good memories. This next product is a spool minder from Modern Hoopla. So this minder comes in two sizes, uh, one to hold eight spools of thread and then one that holds 14. The spaces fit only two centimeter diameter spools. Uh, and then the minder also has a small corner magnet to keep your needle or small snips handy. I love this idea for organizing thread for a handwork project, uh, especially wool, or maybe you're using quite a few different colors in your project, because then you can keep all your colors organized in the minder. So you just have to pick it up and take it to the space you're stitching in, which is so handy. And lastly, we have two products to share that help keep your space clean. The first is the Just Better Machine Cleaning Brushes from Bucklebee. So the set comes with two different silicone brushes to clean the inside of your machine. The brushes have flexible heads and lots of grooves and notches to pick up dust and thread in all those nooks and crannies. Plus, because they're silicone, they're easily washed after each cleaning session with just a drop of dish soap and some warm water. And the set of brushes is actually only $2.50, so this would also make a great gift for your sewing buddies. 
And the second cleaning product is the Heart Shape Matte Cleaning Pad from the Gypsy Quilter. This is a scrubber that you lightly brush on your cutting mat to keep it clean from threads and dust. You can place your hand inside the pad so that you have lots of control over where you're cleaning and the amount of pressure you're using. And this tool is washable too. We'll link to all these products in the show notes so that you can check them out more if you're interested. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're talking about conquering your UFOs and tips for hand quilting. Welcome back. Now it's time for UFO Challenge, a segment where we give tips for finishing your projects. And because it's the beginning of the year, I want to talk about how that excitement of a new year and new quilting goals can help you finish some of those long-time projects you keep telling yourself you'll finish someday. Recent statistics say that only about 50% of New Year's resolutions are kept up past six months. That means by July, you may have already stopped working towards the goals or habits you want to make this year. So it's important to make the most of the time you have early in the year when we're ready for and excited to tackle our goals, especially if that goal is to tackle your UFOs. We see this pattern a lot in our UFO Challenge Facebook group. People make a lot of progress early in the year and are finishing projects, and then summer comes and they get busy, then the holidays follow after that and they lose all steam. Now, people work in different ways. So some people like a slow and steady approach and do well setting monthly goals toward finishing their projects and accomplishing them. But but if you're a person who is either all in or all out, this strategy is for you. And it's simple, really. Work on your UFOs for as long and as hard as you can until you can't or don't want to anymore. Basically, you want to capture the freshness of the new year and the excitement you have when you make goals such as finish my UFOs, because that excitement will keep you going, even if working on your UFOs is hard or frustrating or time-consuming. That excitement will help you push through any obstacles and finish your projects. So if your goal is really to finish a lot of UFOs this year, we suggest maybe holding off on starting new projects early in the year so you can focus and make progress on your UFOs. And don't worry, this all-in approach can't last forever. You know, maybe you make it three months and you finish five UFOs. Um, That's amazing. Maybe you make it six months and finish 10. That's great. And whenever you feel yourself losing steam, that's okay. Stop to rest start something new, and ignore your UFOs until next year or until you feel that excitement again. Now, I'm handing the mic over to Doris for Handwork Happiness, a segment where we share tips for different types of handwork. Take it away, Doris. Hello, and welcome to another Handwork Happiness segment. I'm Doris Burnett, editor of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. 
I learned to hand quilt before I learned how to piece or quilt by machine. I realize that sounds completely backward, but I wanted to learn how to quilt. So when I was about 12 years old, my mother taught me with a cheater cloth and a large wooden hoop. At the time, I had been cross-stitching for a few years, so I was used to stitching by hand, and it was a very relaxing and calming activity for me. And quilting by hand is basically stitching layers together using a running stitch, which I had used some in my cross-stitching projects. Many quilters appreciate the handmade look that hand quilting produces, and in the case of big stitch quilting, the utilitarian look and colorful embellishment can really add to a project. It's a simple enough technique, and like anything else, hand quilting goes smoothly when you use the correct tools and supplies. You're going to want a thimble, the correct size needles, good thread, thread snips, marking tools, and a hoop or a frame of some sort. But first you need to make your quilt sandwich. You can baste your quilt using whatever method you prefer to use to quilt your project on a domestic sewing machine. If you prefer spray basting or glue basting, 505 Spray and Fix works really well, especially for small projects such as pillows, bags, or mini quilts. Basting with threads or pins will work fine as well. For batting, if you wanna see your hand stitches really well, use a low loft cotton poly batting. If you use a high loft batting, your stitches are going to sink in and the fabric will puff up around the stitching. You wanna use a batting that your needle will easily glide through. 100% wool batting is wonderful. It's like stitching through butter. You want to avoid 100% cotton batting because it can be more dense and harder to move your needle through. There are a lot of hand quilting frames and hoops on the market, but I'd recommend trying different products and methods to decide what works best for you. An inexpensive plastic snap frame or a large quilting hoop is a good place to start. In general, you'll get straighter, more consistent stitches if you keep your quilt sandwich stretched taut as you stitch. However, you may decide that you prefer to quilt without a hoop altogether. Many quilters do. There are no hard, firm rules. Whatever works best for you is the correct way to hand quilt. When it comes to needles, I recommend using between or quilting needles, which are preferred because they have a short, strong shaft and a small eye. This allows you to make straight, accurate stitches while making very small holes in the fabric. The most common sizes are eight, nine, and 10. If you're a beginner, use a size eight to practice the technique. Hand quilting is a slow stitching technique that can take some time. So make sure you choose a needle and thread combination that is comfortable for you and does not leave you with muscle soreness. If your desire is to try big stitch quilting using a thicker thread, such as a pearl cotton, you will want to use an embroidery needle. Try a few different sizes to see which works best for you. You can purchase a packet of gold eye embroidery needles by Clover that have several sizes in one packet. Now for the thread, for regular hand quilting, you'll want to use a strong thread specifically labeled as quilting thread. Quilting thread is coated so it slides through the layers smoothly and does not produce lint. If you use an unwaxed or unglazed thread to hand quilt, you can use a thread conditioner or beeswax to prepare the thread for quilting by hand. You might choose to do this if you want to quilt using a color you can't find available as a coated quilting thread. Big stitch or utility quilting is typically done using pearl cotton, which comes in a wide variety of colors. Size eight is probably the most common, 
but a size 12 is a little lighter and thinner thread, and it might be a bit easier for a beginner to get used to. The stitches are longer and further apart than with regular hand quilting, and since you're using a thicker thread, they can become a very prominent design element of the quilt. Whether doing traditional hand quilting or big stitch quilting, you'll want a thimble that will help relieve the pressure required to push a needle through several layers of fabric and batting. You can choose to use a metal, leather, or plastic thimble. It really comes down to personal preference with what is most comfortable for you and fits your fingers best. My favorite is a leather thimble with a slit that accommodates one's fingernail. When I first learned to hand quilt, there weren't many options for thimbles, and I used a metal one of my mother's. The leather thimble is so much more comfortable for me, but I know quilters that would never use anything other than their trusty metal thimble. It's really a matter of personal preference. Now to start stitching. You can choose to stitch using your seam lines as a guide or follow the design in the fabrics of your quilt or mark a quilting design on your quilt top to follow, such as a Baptist fan, feathers, or other simple curving patterns. A Hera marker can be used, which is a hard plastic tool that doesn't leave any marks, but leaves indentations in the fabric. But if you're working on a large project, Whatever method you choose to use to mark your quilt, you want to be able to hold the design for as long as it takes you to do all of the quilting. A good alternative is a water-soluble marking pen to mark those designs. I recommend testing whatever pen or pencil you choose to use to make sure you can remove the marks completely when the quilting is finished. Make some practice quilt sandwiches and test your marking tools in advance. You can also use these to practice your stitches if you're nervous about jumping in to quilting directly on your quilt. I hope you give hand quilting a try, at least on a small project. It can really add a special touch to the project and can be a very relaxing and calming process. Thanks so much, Doris. We actually have a great photo guide for hand quilting on our website uh, that we'll link to in the show notes. And that's it for today's show. I'd love to invite all of our listeners to take our podcast survey. We love hearing what our listeners love about the show and what they'd like to see in the future for our show. This is so helpful in us planning what topics to tackle and what designers to interview in the upcoming years. And if you take the survey, you'll be entered to win a prize package worth $300. I helped pick out the prizes, and it's such a fun mix of fun supplies and other quilty things. It would really mean the most to me to hear what you all have to say, and the survey only takes about five minutes. You can take the survey at www.allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast survey. We'll also link to it in the show notes. Thanks so much. And everyone, have a great week.